Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship pod here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And um, Colin, college football's like almost halfway over already. That... Stop. Stop. Don't. It's depressing. Don't. Yeah. Don't. Don't do that. It's weird because the NFL has so much time left. I know. Like, like it feels like that season drags on forever and then. College is done by like the first week of December. Yeah, it's a real bummer. They should flip that. Um, yes, I completely kids, agree. These kids have to learn and like, you know, <laughs> not get concussions for their developing brains, whatever. Um, Who needs it? Exactly. That's what I'm saying, too. Um, so we're here to preview week six here, guys. are going to break down a little bit of the action here uh, that happened this past week as well. Try to give you all of the relevant news and notes or at least as much as we can squeeze into 90 minutes or less which is usually our goal in season although it does not always happen um real quick guys before we jump in make sure you're checking out all the other shows on the campus to canton podcast feed make sure you're checking out all of the video content that we have throughout the week over on the youtube page and then we're cranking out i don't know about 12 to 15 articles per week on the site uh all sorts of different you know stock reports um um, waivers, uh, uh, DFS content. So all that stuff can be found, of course, over at campus2canton.com. Uh, uh, and then last, if you guys haven't checked out the Better Sports show that we do yet every Saturday morning, Better Sports new uh, radio um, um, kind of program that is out um, or group that is out right now. Uh, they just hired Lisa Ann. She has her own show on there. A lot of big uh, guests or um, uh, show hosts and things over there. So go check out everything over there. We're on every Saturday morning, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, and then we we do the tailgate right after that as well. So lots of good stuff that we are doing currently. But enough about us, Colin. Let's talk a little bit about week five here. Uh, Arkansas, Alabama, one of the more anticipated games of the week here. Uh, Alabama gets out to a huge lead early. Something happens. Arkansas comes back, and then they pull away at the end. That's something. Bryce Young suffers a shoulder injury. They're calling it an AC joint sprain. Uh, sounds like he's probably not going to play this week, but they're hopeful to have him back uh, in the run-up after that, which is big for them because they have a bunch of ranked opponents basically all in a row there. Uh, I'm sure they'd really like to have Bryce Young for them. So Colin, um, I don't know. I mean, the, the Bryce Young injury – any thoughts on that before we kind of talk about his replacement? Yeah. I mean, he was, he had that one interception, but other than that, he looked good this game. He had them driving down the field consistently, you know, finally the passing attack had a little bit of explosiveness. Um, you know, he found uh, Isaiah bond for a big play, you know, he had a couple other ones there. So, you know, this passing attack finally started to look good. And then Bryce young gets that shoulder injury. Um, so, It'll be interesting to see how they kind of adapt this offense. And, you know, we'll we'll just kind of roll right in here to Milrow, uh, their backup. He's not quite the he's not the passer that that Young is. Um, he kind of struggled in this one passing the ball statistically was okay, but he just struggled to keep the offense on schedule. He struggled with pressure, um, just you know, didn't look like he was completely ready. You know, we'll see how he is with the full complement of snaps this week uh, with the first team and, you know, entering the week preparing as the starter. But, you know, like I said on uh, College Fantasy Tonight, that, you know, you as a backup quarterback, you're one injury away from playing any given week. 
So, I mean, I feel like you need to really be ready. And it's not like he's a true freshman either. You know, he'd been on campus. He'd been in the system a little bit. So we'll see how this one shakes out. But I'm a little concerned about the whole passing attack. And, you know, I'm concerned about Milrow as well. So were you not already concerned a little bit about this passing attack from a fantasy perspective? Like we liked, we talked about this, I think at least once on the show, we really mm-hmm. liked Bryce Young, but we don't, re- are you starting any Bama receivers this year? Like after like week two, when we finally had more information, I mean, have you, I know you like Jermaine Burton. You haven't still been starting him. Have you in places? No, no, I have not. But Ja'Cory Brooks kind of came on, um, not this past week, the week before that, you know, maybe he could have done something in this one. Um, you know, Isaiah Bond and some of these freshmen are getting some time. So I was always of the mindset that this passing attack did not look good early in the year. And that was definitely a concern. But I thought they would always get this righted. I thought they would, you know, get things under control, get the offense moving a little bit more. You know, some of the some receiver would emerge as a viable weekly fantasy option. I didn't know exactly who it was going to be, but I had faith that they were going to get this figured out. And now, you know, you got to wait at least at least another week, potentially even longer. Um, they're calling Bryce Young day to day, but the injury looked it, it kind of looked like a, a shoulder joint separation, you know, just the way he kind of fell on it. So we'll, we'll see how long he actually ends up being out here. So here's here's my take on this whole thing, actually. So. I think basically Jalen Milrow just gave us a glimpse into what this Bama passing attack would look like if they did not have Bryce Young, who is just otherworldly against pressure behind center. Yeah. Because that offensive line has not been great from a pass blocking perspective. Um, they've been exposed multiple weeks. Um, they, the receiving group, like as a whole, like it's a bunch of like, you know, top 10 receivers, but none of them have really proven themselves at this point yet. We're, we're still kind of guessing. Um, but they they they've been relying on this run game, which has been pretty dang good. It was really good this week. They ran for over 300 yards total. Uh, Jameer Jameer Gibbs, who we're going to talk about here in a second, had over 200 yards, including two uh, 70-ish yard touchdowns in this one. Milrow himself had almost 100 yards, um, and, and then the other backs kind of chipped in for 15, 20 yards uh, a piece each as well. So I um I got. I just think this is what this offense would look like without Bryce Young. Like, I don't know that Milrow is going to lift this group like Young does, but I don't. I certainly don't think he uh, he destroys the group either. Um, and he's an interesting player because, yeah, he he's got rushing upside. Like we talk all the time. Like Donovan Smith's kind of this round peg in this square hole, um, or vice versa. I don't know what the saying is. I'm somewhere no along those square lines, square peg, square peg, round hole, round peg, square hole. Either way, the peg doesn't fit the it hole. It doesn't fit. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's almost what Milrow is here, at least compared to what they probably game planned for all week. Where you know Bryce Young's kind of this spread offense, like he can run virtually anything. You know, he can do three, five step type stuff. He can kind of let offense develop if you need him to downfield. He can attack that way. Milrow, I, I I think he is a little more of a push the ball downfield kind of guy. He's not a huge rhythm guy. And then obviously he looks to run a lot more than Bryce Young does as well. So I think this offense will look a little different, uh, at least for next week. They have Texas A&M coming up here. It's like the worst possible week for Bama because I know they want to come out and just absolutely smack the crap out of Texas A&M. I still think they will, even without Bryce Young. Um, but definitely concerning. And you weren't starting any of the wide receivers, as we mentioned anyway, but you probably – are not this week either. Um, Jameer Gibbs, Colin, I did just mention he had that big day there, 206 yards rushing, two really long touchdowns. Um, 
I mean, <clears throat> I, I think people forget how explosive he is until he does this. I believe uh, recruiting analytics had him as what the second or third fastest ball carrier of the week. He had over 22 miles per hour uh, on at least one of his runs. Like this guy is going to get drafted pretty. If James Cook went on day two, like middle of day two, Jameer Gibbs is going to go much, much earlier. Than yeah. That. Yeah. I feel pretty good about that. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to go first round. I think that size is going to hold him back there, but very early second round. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he's, um, you know, Deandre Swift esque, you know, he's a little bit lighter than Swift. Um, you know, so the size is going to be a little bit of a concern there, but I could see him getting taken in that early second round range pretty easily there, especially given that Bama pedigree uh, and how good he is in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, his receiving ability, he hasn't really gotten to do a ton of it this year. The only game that really featured him was that Texas game, and he had a very, very good receiving game just for one reason or another. They're, they're choosing not to kind of run their offense that way, but he's... Man, I keep flipping back and forth. I was talking in our Discord this week. Like, I'm, I think I would rather have Zach Evans purely in a Devi perspective because I think he has a better chance to be like for an NFL team to once, like, no matter where he goes, I think he, an NFL team could view him as an 18 to 20 touch a game kind of guy. I don't think he's a worse player than Brees Hall by any stretch. I actually think he might be a better player. Um, but Gibbs, like, and Gibbs feels to me like the wrong team takes him and just uses him stupidly. Like, that's the only downside on Gibbs because otherwise, I do think his floor is like Aaron Jones, and I think his ceiling is Kamara ish, which yeah. is how how athletic he is, how dynamic he is, how versatile he is. I mean, I think wherever he goes, it he's probably gonna return kicks as a rookie. Unless he gets drafted in like the first round to be some team's bell cow. Like, I think that that's the route he's going to go early because he can do that. He's just, yeah, I, I could absolutely athlete. see that. I could absolutely see that. Yeah. I mean, he's like returned kick since day one at Georgia Tech. Um, you know, so he's got experience doing that. And he's just the kind of guy you want to get the ball into his hands. So I think it really, I think you're right. It really depends on where he goes as to what his floor um, and ceiling would be. But especially in PPR leagues, which is you know pretty much what everybody plays in nowadays, and with offenses you know moving to more pass-heavy offenses and trying to get players in space, I think Gibbs kind of fits what you know the NFL is looking to do now. So I'm a little bit concerned about it, a little bit concerned about his size, but not enough to knock him out of the number two spot for me, especially given how like Zach Evans looks good, Quinchon Judkins looks really good. So again, is it? You know, that offense, are they just both really good running backs? I'm not entirely sure. Um, I think they're probably both just really good running backs. But, you know, there's enough question marks for him, too, where I, I still have Gibbs ahead of him. So do you want to know a secret? I would love to. I think that's the stupidest thing I hear people say this year. I, and I, I hear love a lot that you call me stupid. So I hear a lot please. of people saying it. It's not just you. Oh, okay. I think it's Thank the you. dumbest nice argument. Save. Zach Evans is like Quinshawn Judkins is doing like a real, basically the same thing he's doing. Okay. Maybe Quinshawn Judkins is just really good. Like I'm watching Zach Evans out here. who has been banged up the past two weeks and has looked really freaking fluid. Like I, I, I don't buy that argument at all. I think he's at an offense where the coach wants to rotate three backs. He's done it literally his entire coaching career. Like I think, specifically we talked about this we talked about this all off season like everybody did 
Zach Evans has not has been trying not to put tread on the tires, and he went to Ole Miss, and he probably doesn't want to tote the ball thirty times a game. Now he's not toting the ball thirty times a game, and all of a sudden we have a problem with it. I just don't get where this argument has come from. I think it's just people wanting to be wishy washy on this class, wishy washy on Zach Evans, and I'm I'm happy to buy him at a discount if people want to do that. Like if if the the Zach Evans owner in your league is worried at all about zach evans we're not even talking Ole miss right now i don't know why we're having this discussion but zach evans <laughs> i would be buying him because i think he's at worst the, the running back three in this class i think he's i'd rather have him than sean tucker who's a guy that's tossed around in that that type of um you know category and i'd much rather have him the tank bigsby yeah i mean i completely agree with you um but we can move it back to bama now um the only, uh, so Isaiah Bond had himself a pretty nice day. He only had a couple of catches, but uh, a really nice deep one. Uh, two catches, 76 yards. He looked dangerous. Um, he has not hit the year one zero thresholds yet, but I think he will. It's just a matter of time. I like the signs of life out of him. Uh, and then the only other receiver here that I wanted to note real quick, Colin, is like I put on the show sheet, Jermaine Burton might just not be good. Like this is three years in a row now, two different offenses, multiple quarterbacks. We thought this would do something for him, and it just it it has. And I'm he drops like three spots in my rank in my Debbie rankings every single week. Yeah, I'm pretty much I'm not ready to totally write him off, but he has fallen a lot. He has been probably he's been my biggest miss so far this year. I mean, I just I thought everything was aligning for him to be. The, like a Jamison Williams type of a player there at Bama where he transfers in after not, you know, being great at his previous school, but, you know, showing a lot of potential and then coming in and being like the wide receiver one for Bama. And it just has not happened. And, you know, we, we talked about the passing game woes for this offense. I think a little bit of it has to do with the offensive line, but I think a lot of it also has to do with the, uh, the skill players there. And those wide receivers just haven't really, um been good and it starts with jermaine burton um you know he's not so. even really getting targets no like and and bryce young will throw to you if he trusts you like he'll yeah. he'll put it in i mean he's not just you know f it jermaine's down there somewhere kind of guy but it, but if he trusts him he'll he'll put it out there for him he's just not even looking his way i watched i think i've watched two or three bama games in their entirety live and i've i've heard burton's name maybe six times like on tv total it's not many no it's it's really not good he has um yeah he's he's gotten jumped a lot i mean i think he's still like the quote-unquote starter there but in terms of targets and pecking yeah. order like in the offense he's gotten jumped by a couple of guys you know holden prentice brooks you know isaiah bond looked bond, good in this maybe, one too yeah. you know more more disappointing season so far this year colin jermaine burton or quentin johnston I am going to say Jermaine Burton for me because I had Jermaine Burton really high. I had really high expectations for him. Um, but I think they've both been very disappointing. The thing with um, Quentin Quinton Johnston, um, and it's something that Nate brought, Nate Marquis, CFF Nate, brought up on um, college football or college fantasy tonight this past week is you know, we had these really high expectations for Quentin Johnston because he's big, he's athletic. He had done it in flashes there and Sonny Dykes was coming in. So we thought, you know, he was going to be the target monster and they were hyped him up all off season, you know, at TCU there. But uh, Nate 
dove in a little bit deeper into Sunny Dykes, and it looks like the target monster um, receivers came when Rhett Lashley was the OC there. And he, Nate saying he thinks, you know, that that could be where some of that influence come from. So other stops that Sonny Dyke has been on, they spread the ball around a little bit more. So, and we're seeing that at TCU this year. So I think we just kind of got the offense wrong a little bit there at TCU. And, you know, he was always a little bit raw as well. Whereas at Alabama, I mean, you know, how many years in a row have they had a guy go with 1300 yards and like 13 touchdowns get drafted in the first round? Like, that was something we thought we could really bank on. So I'm going to say Burton's more disappointing. I don't have a good answer, but I liked how you took a look at that. So thank um, you. Yeah, I think compliment. I had them compliment I, sandwich. You just I, insulted I, me and then <laughs> exactly. And you're, you're ready for the other piece of bread. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be moldy or not. Um, Arkansas, the only note I really had on here, Colin Raheem Sanders continues to get his bell cow work like i think at this point it's just i mean th this is their guy 22 carries 101 yards and a touchdown had a good fantasy day i believe did you have him as a sit last week and i think he had like 20 points this week who was it raheem sanders i think you did i think you had him as a sit um yes i did have him as a sit because i picked him as a start the week before against AM and he did nothing so. And it, he's just getting the volume now where it's like you just almost I, I think I benched I've benched him once or twice like, like in, in different leagues this year. And I'm I'm not sure I'm going to do that necessarily anymore. I also yep. for Jay not did the same thing. I said I said sit him and he just got enough volume that it didn't matter. So I think Sanders has finally shifted into that category where uh, no matter what you're you're probably rolling him out there. Clemson NC State here, Colin. Um, an interesting game. I watched the first three quarters or so and then I just knew what was about to happen and went to bed. Um, Clemson, Will Shipley, I, I wanted to ask you, I know we talked a little bit about Debbie running backs a couple weeks ago, uh, and, and Shipley's kind of this guy where, depending on who you talk to, he's the, he's the RB2 in the class, the RB3, maybe even the RB4, RB5, he, he's fallen a little bit for some people, but was pretty dang good this week, 14 carries, uh, 73 yards, and then had three catches and thirty uh, for 37 yards through the air. Um I mean, he's he's been really, really steady for them. Oh, sorry, 14 carries for 60 yards. Sorry. Um, he's been really steady for them, but not like amazing. I what do you think here about about Shipley? I it's hard for me to call him RB. If he was the RB2 in a class, I think I would be slightly disappointed in that running back class. He's been good, but not transcendent at this point. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'd be a little bit disappointed in the class as a whole if he was the RB2, but you know, like we've been saying steadily with Sanders is he looks like he's going to be the RB2 here. You know, I I think I'm at the point where I'm ready to move Sanders ahead of of Shipley. You know, um, you know, I, I think I did that last week, maybe um, I, mean, I haven't updated my rankings on the site here. I really need to go do a deep dive. So come look on, for those come this on. look for those this weekend. I will have my rankings updated by this weekend. But um. Yeah, I mean, I think Shipley's dropped down to the RB3 now. So I think that makes this running back class still look pretty good because Shipley has been good, not great. Um, now, there's another guy that we'll talk about a little bit later that may be hurting this class. But uh, Shipley, uh, I'm pretty status quo on him. You know, it's more Sanders has jumped him than he has fallen. Yeah, I mean... First off, I'm going to acknowledge that uh, this is not the best offense to be putting up 
huge numbers in. But I also want to point out that Clemson, to this point, hasn't really played a particularly tough schedule. NC State no. was really the first uh, difficult game here on their schedule. They've had some some really, really soft ones. So I think those two uh, items kind of wash each other out, especially when you think that DJU has been better but not great. I mean, he was 21 for 30 in this one for 200 yards, one touchdown. Like, he's not putting up these insane stats. They've been running him a little bit more, which I think probably hurts um Shipley and the rest of these running backs I think Shipley has some good things going for him he has seems like officially taken over this backfield last year they are rotating him and Maffa pretty hard this year Shipley has out touched Maffa by 10 plus touches pretty much every game here so I think that's um uh, good for him and I think he's continued to still flash his receiving upside had a really nice catch uh down the uh left sideline in this one from from DJ um didn't score on it but 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 was a really really nice catch so i i think he has a lot of really good things going for him that i think at worst haven't hurt him but like you said with some of these guys jumping him i mean i think raheem sanders has basically been getting similar volume and done a lot more with it he's looked more physical and he's not a worse much worse of an athlete or much worse of a receiver so i think that's just what's giving him um the 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 um the the, the, the little bit more upside mm-hmm. than than he is i i think at this point i like him more than braylon allen though yeah mm-hmm. yeah braylon allen was the guy i was alluding to that we'll talk about yeah. a little bit later um you know just been kind of disappointing so far and like i said we'll get into that a little bit later but yeah i, I like will shipley more than allen too i mean the pass catching ability there i think gives shipley the pass catching ability and the athleticism give Shipley a a role in the NFL. You know, will he be a bell cow? Uh, probably not. Will Can he lead a backfield? We'll see how that plays out as his college career progresses a little bit more here. Um, I think he can lead a backfield. But at the very worst, you're going to be getting a, an athletic, um, pass-catching running back, a guy who, you know, for PPR purposes is going to be able to put up a good number of points there. I mean, I think, um, you know, he's a worse runner than Jameer Gibbs, but as an athlete, I think they're pretty comparable. Yeah. The other uh, topic I wanted to really touch on in this game, Colin, is something that, so nobody is talking about this. And then I tweeted it out yesterday and the tweet got like two likes. Like we are talking about it. We're going to talk about it right now. I was going to talk about it and then later in the show and then i saw it earlier in the show sheet so i had to pivot there's a couple of topics like that i wanted to talk about mayan williams uh later too but we're going to talk about him um okay but i'm going to talk about mayan williams for now i am talking about another williams though mr antonio williams true freshman wide receiver here at clemson i think i was the highest on antonio williams out of all of us but all of us were pretty high on him for a number of reasons i think um like our our evaluation of him as a whole between all of us was very very similar just kind of varied you know it, like i was just a little bit higher on those particular characteristics but antonio williams is this kind of 511 to 6 foot like 185 pound uh really really good athlete really really refined route runner for a high schooler and I think he's exactly what the NFL likes right now. But more importantly, he was what Clemson had none of on the roster. They had all these giants that were kind of stiff-hipped, 
boundary guys. Williams can play all across the formation. He's played slot and boundary a little bit this year. He's second on the team in receptions. He's second on the team in, or no, he's first on the team in receptions, right? Am I not? Now I got to look this up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is. Okay. He's first in receptions. He's second in yards, and he's only three behind Bo Collins for first in that category. He has a touchdown. He's breaking out, and nobody is talking about it. He, he might be at thus far the most impressive freshman receiver based on situation and no early enrollment and what he's done so far there at Clemson. Everybody wanted to hype up Adam Randall, who's been a little injured. He's coming back. But Williams has been everything that he was advertised to be. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, we were higher on him than a lot of other places. You were the highest on him, but I liked him more than Adam Randall, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you know, Adam Randall made a lot of noise in the spring here and then unfortunately did get hurt. So, you know, you never want to see that. Uh, I'm expecting to see him at some point this year. We've been hearing he's been close. So maybe Adam Randall can I get out there and show what he's can do. But Antonio Williams is already showing what he can do. And like you said, he fits a role in that offense that they desperately needed. You know, this offense operated at its best and at its most efficient when it had Hunter Renfro, when it had Amari Rogers, when it had a dynamic uh, slot option to kind of counter those outside guys. So, and they've been missing that the past couple of years. You know, last year they were throwing Justin Ross in the slot a lot, and that's just not his role, really. Um, but Antonio Williams excels there. And I think that's also making DJ look better as well. Now the offensive line definitely plays a role in that too. They do look better this year. They're giving him more time. DJ is also slimmed down a little bit. I think that helps, but I think Antonio Williams has really been helping him as well. And I think he's really going under the radar right now, as far as the impact that he's having on this offense. And I think a lot of people need to catch up to that. Yeah, he's been really, really good. I think if you can find find a, a seller, I'd probably be buying. the The odds of him ever being a mega producer in college, Colin, like, are they great? He's not going to be this year. I don't know what DJ's going to do. Like, does he I just? Don't know. I, I think he has to go back, but I wonder if he tries to leave just because, like. He, but then, what it, about Clubnick? That's is Clubnick a better fit with him? Like, I don't know that he's ever a. 80 catch guy in college but i do think he's going to be in the mix as their top receiver every year he's there and again i think the nfl is going to love him like i think he's he's versatile he's very fast he he's a very good returner they haven't used him in that way at all which is very odd to me i keep checking every week um because i thought that's where he would break out first i thought he would do some punt kick return stuff and then they'd, they'd give him some touches but i mean i i think this kid has all the potential in the world. I, I, Barry and Brown, I think, has been more impressive than him this year. You can argue then there, there's a group of guys, Evan Stewart, uh, Dane Key, um, uh, Luther Burden, and then him. Like I think that's that next group there, and I think he he firm his name firmly belongs in that discussion, but you don't hear it there. So you don't. A, a big buy for me, personally. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he hasn't done – he hasn't had the big blow-up game, the flashy performance yet – Um, So he hasn't been, you know, our player of the week yet, but I think because he hasn't had that big blow up game yet, you can still go out and acquire him. And like you said, I don't know what his CFF ceiling is going to be, but I do feel pretty good about him for the pros. Uh, I think he's going to be a very dynamic 
slot option all the way up and through college. And I think he'll be a very good pro player as well. Yeah. Um, a couple small notes here on NC State. Uh, Devin Leary, actually, I thought this might be his best game of the year. It wasn't an amazing game statistically from him. 28 for 47, 245 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But I thought he made some really tough throws in this one. I know I've said before the season he would be a candidate to kind of sneak into that QB3. I don't think he can do that at this point. Um, but uh, he, he looked pretty solid in this one. Just Clemson's front seven is just too good. I mean, just just insanely good. I don't, do you have any comments on him, Colin? No, I, I thought, you know, statistically it wasn't a great performance. And, you know, NC State lost um, in this one. But I, I don't put that blame on Devin Leary. I think he looked good. Like you said, you know, he operated the offense well. The uh, uh, NC State offense just could not run the ball at all uh, against this Clemson front seven. And they were even missing Brian Brissy. Um, you know, obviously thoughts with his family and everything what's going on with them. But, you know, this wasn't a full strength Clemson defense and they still couldn't run the ball. They had to use the short passing game as an extension of the running game in this one. And I thought he played that pretty well. So they don't really have a true like standout playmaker at any skill position. Devin Leary has not quite looked as good as we thought he was. He's taken a pretty big step back in terms of efficiency from last year, but I think he's been, he's been fine. You know, I, I wouldn't say he's been bad this year and I wouldn't say he was bad in this one. This was definitely not his fault. And you just tossed out Brian Brisset's name. I just wanted to, to mention real quick. Yes. Um, obviously thoughts with his family, but he actually missed this game. This is the quote that they gave a non football medical issue that required blood work and hospital observation this past week. Nothing more than that, but it sounds like he's on target to potentially play this week. So, I mean, kids got a lot going on with the sister passing away. Yeah. So um, hopefully he can come back and if he wants to play football, he's able to do it. Um, and then just the only other note, like the, the running bats continue to split work and neither of them are startable at this stage. <clears throat> Thayer Thomas has been interesting. He, he seems to be the guy that's taking over the, as the leading receiver there for them, 24 catches on the year uh, so far, 301 yards and two touchdowns. Again, not a guy that's super startable, but just keep an eye on him. If this off, if this passing offense can pick up a little bit, uh, he could be a guy that maybe um, uh, does some things down the stretch. Um, Oklahoma state Baylor an interesting game uh we were pretty split on this one picking mm -hmm. on the tailgates uh oklahoma state does end up winning this 36 25 this oklahoma state team i think is pretty good and i think they're kind of starting to figure out their identity after uh losing some guys and, and their defense coordinator this offseason um this wasn't like an amazing offensive performance for them uh, but spencer sanders continues to get decent uh, rushing production, which I think is really intriguing, had 75 yards and a touchdown uh, in this one. Um, but the guy I really want to highlight here actually is Brennan Presley, who has been more involved in this offense. And traditionally, the slot guy at Oklahoma State uh, with Gundy there just doesn't get the targets to uh, on a week to week basis. But Presley is has been targeted uh, uh, fairly decently across the season so far. Had eight for eighty six in this one. I mean, we, my Felix and I have always gone back and forth on this. And my argument was never been that, that Presley's not good. It's just that this offense is not going to highlight that position. But it sounds like maybe uh, they're a little more willing this season. And he's an interesting guy. Looking forward to maybe the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think Brendan Presley, like you said, he doesn't really fit the mold of a traditional Oklahoma State wide receiver. But Jaden Bray has been out. 
um, you know, recently. And, and Talon Shetron, you know, I, we thought he was going to make a bigger impact here. He's gotten on the field a little bit, but not really that much, not as much as we thought. So they're operating with, I can't remember what, Braden Johnson, I think, was the yes. name of the guy who's operating the outside right now. Yeah. Um, so I think they're kind of missing that outside presence that they normally have, which I think is playing a role in Presley, you know, having a, the the role that he's having right now. I'll be interested to see what his role looks like when Jaden Bray comes back. It's actually been really interesting because Johnson has to want to jump in here real quick, Colin. So Johnson is not getting heavily targeted, but he's leading the country on catches that are 20 plus yards downfield. Like when they're hitting him, they are hitting him deep, but he hasn't been the target. Like they always use that guy that way, but they always, but they tend to get targeted a little more heavily. He has not been. So that, that, that seems to kind of be the difference. I wonder if Bray, changes that equation if he's there but just just sorry just yeah no no you're good yeah no you're good i I mean i think uh brendan presley has been impressive so far i want to see it a little bit more when you know Jaden bray or or somebody else comes back uh on the outside there kind of see how they use him but i think it's showing glimpses like you said of you know he could be a sunday player um not a ton of other notes here on, on Oklahoma State, but let's go over to Baylor. And Richard Reese, running back, we were skeptical that he would n- maintain this job um, when Tay McWilliams went down. We thought Quaylen Jones would probably be more situated to take this role because he's a bigger uh, bell cow-sized guy. But Jones only had four carries for 21 yards in this one. Richard Reese uh, had 17 carries for 85 yards and a touchdown. Um, he's 5'9", 175 a freshman there like he's just not what Baylor uses so I don't think it was crazy to question it but at this point it seems like that staff is going to roll with Reese and they ran the ball 30 times this week I mean they're going to run the ball a decent amount so he's as the the tip of the spear there uh, is a pretty interesting guy I'll be interested to see if he keeps this job beyond this year like I think this year might be settled, might be, but I don't know if moving forward he's locked in for, you know, you're not getting the Baylor running back for four years. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Yeah, I'm not really ready to say that either because he doesn't really fit the mold of the traditional Baylor running back, like you were saying there. And, you know, I think that he has been good. He has performed very admi- admirably, but Tay McWilliams will be back at some point. Um, and I think he'll have an opportunity to reclaim this job. So, I have not been as bullish on Richard Reese as some other people have. You know, I don't, I have not gone and picked him up uh, in any league that has limited waiver pickups, just because, like you said, I don't know that you are getting this freshman stud running back at Baylor who's going to be there for four years and produce like crazy. Um, I, I still think that Tay McWilliams will have an opportunity at this job. Um, and in the last. Uh, piece here, Colin Monterey Baldwin, huge, huge props to Alfred who writes, it, it does a series every year through his work with the recruiting team here on his, some of his favorite three stars in the class. And he usually tries to dig a little bit deeper than like guy that's like, you know, 24th in the class and is a borderline guy or whatever like that. Um, and he had Monterey Baldwin as an honorable mention guy that he was like, he's not top 10, but I have to mention this kid because of how much of an athlete he is that this was last off season. He ran like a 10, four 100 in high school. Like he's just insanely fast. He was measured according to 
uh, recruiting analytics as the fastest ball carrier in college this week. I believe he hit 22.8 miles per hour, seven for 174 and two. He has almost like on the season has almost 100 yards after catch total. Like he's he's crazy, crazy, crazy after the catch here. He's a little hit or miss, but I mean, this guy is worth keeping your eyes on here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and he's a guy that you know we'll, we'll highlight probably a little bit later as well. But just due to that explosiveness, um, you know, and filling that Taekwon Thornton role in this offense of a, like a field stretcher, he's going to have some really big weeks for you. So if you're in a best ball league, like I think he's going to be uh, a potential week winner sometimes, you know, with a performance like this past week, you know, seven, one seventy four and two, you know, um, but there's also going to be other weeks where he goes to for, you know, 30 or something like that. So you're going to have to take the good weeks with the bad here, but he's just a sophomore. He's been battling some injuries here and there. So this is a very encouraging sign. Yeah, it is um, a, a definitely a dynamic piece for this offense. Last game we're going to touch on completely here, Colin. Uh, Mississippi State, Texas A&M. First off, whatever team's playing Texas A&M that week is my second favorite team in all of college football after my Pitt Panthers. <laughs> uh, so it was really nice to see Mississippi State kind of take this one to Texas A&M. This game uh, hovered within a you know a score score and a half, like two scores, yes, but like you know ten points ish. But uh, A&M was never really able to kind of make that push to to bring this game home, and Mississippi State ends up winning forty two to twenty four. Um, let's start with Mississippi State since they won this one. Uh, Will Rogers, I think, just showed that he's pretty much matchup proof. 31 for 45 in this one, 321, 329 yards and three touchdowns. I know we talked about him on a bunch of different shows this week about being a popular uh, prize picks over promo code C2C, get you an initial deposit match up to $100. Um, and he, I mean, his his number started at like 240. It made it up to 270, I believe, and he, he crushed it. Um, so, I mean, matchup proof, you're just starting him every week regardless. This is one of the tougher defenses they'll play. Yeah, I mean, this was, I said to sit all of uh, Mississippi State last week, except for Will Rogers if you needed him, but I didn't feel great about that matchup. And he looked good. Uh, that was obviously a miss um, prelude to the sit section, start sit section that we'll get into later. But yeah, he looks pretty much matchup proof at this point. I mean, I saw um, in this game, they said he threw his 900th pass attempt of his career uh, already this early in the season. And he's been, you know, he started, I think, what, midway through his freshman year? You know, he started the full year and he started all year last year. And already throwing 900 pass attempts. So like the volume here is insane. And he operates that Mike Leach offense really, really well. I'll, you know, throw some cold water on this here and say anybody who says that he could be a Debbie potential or an NFL guy, I don't really see that. But uh, for college purposes, I mean, he's fantastic. You know, there's, there's a reason I was uh, double tapping the Mississippi State passing or Mississippi QBs last year heading into the year. Yeah, just, just the, the volume. I mean, volume is king. He gets it every single week. The other question I wanted to ask you here, Colin, um, their receiving core, you know, they they really spread it out. It's kind of tough to figure out what's going on in a given week. But Rod Rod Thomas continues to really, really impress for them. He had five catches for 134 yards, had a long touchdown in this one, 75-yard touchdown. Uh, on the season, um, some pretty decent stat lines. He had So he had one for 14 against Bowling Green. 
But other than that, he's been five for 81 in a touchdown against Memphis, five for 63 against Arizona, four for 67 in a touchdown against LSU. And then this big game here, he's got pretty nice size. He's 6'2", 200 pounds. He looks to be a pretty good athlete. I can't tell exactly what. I bet he runs four, five or less. I mean, I'm not going to – I already did this with Jaden Wally. We're not going to make this mistake again, but I think he's he's going to play on Sundays in the NFL somewhere. He might not be a, a day one or day two guy, but I, I think he's an NFL receiver, more so than like Caleb Ducking, who has kind of been the de facto one there this year. Yeah, I think Ra Thomas is probably the best NFL option on that roster there. But like you said, we've been through this before with Jaden Wally. Um, I'm – you know, sh- is he going to play on Sundays? Yeah, probably. Um is he going to be a fantasy relevant player on Sundays that I don't know about, um, you know, the miss with Wally uh, and missing with, you know, several other Mike Leach wide receivers. I mean, the only good Mike Leach wide receiver I can think of off the top of my head here is Michael Crabtree. Um, and he was just phenomenal. Um, so I'm not really ready to say he's like an NFL guy. Like, yes, he will probably play on Sundays, but I'm not counting on him for the NFL side of my C2C league. No, I'm not either, but he seems like the kind of guy like I could even see him being like a Danny Gray where some dumb team takes him on day two. because so I think he's going to have the measurables and this is his second year in college. Um, he, he's a pretty intriguing player. So not not a guy that I'm bumping way up my rankings or anything. But I definitely think at some point you'll have him on a taxi squad somewhere and he might even flash enough where you're happy that you that you brought him up with you. Uh, for Texas A&M, I think the the most interesting note in this one is uh, Aeneas Smith who had been their leading receiver, uh, suffered the injury. He's done for the year. Um, was interested to see who would step into his shoes, and it seems like it's going to be Moose Muhammad, who is Moose and Muhammad's son, uh, former Carolina Panther, for anybody who remembers him there uh, with Steve Smith uh, during their Super Bowl run. He had six catches, 119 yards, and a touchdown in this one, led the team in receptions, uh, and it was either first or second in targets. Uh, but it sounds like he's going to be a, a a guy that seriously is in the game plan here moving forward. So, and I I'd wager that he's probably on a lot of waiver wire. So he's a guy that I, if I have unlimited waivers, we're not going to talk about him in our waiver section this week, but I think he's a, a definitely a guy that I'm looking at. Yeah, I definitely think he's a guy to look at here. Uh, my big problem with that is uh, Texas A&M's offense is just not good. Uh, that, that offensive line cannot pass block. They are not, really giving Max Johnson much time out there. And this offense is just too horizontal, like especially given the explosive players that they have on the outside, like an Evan Stewart, um, Moose Muhammad looks pretty good. And I mean, he's not on the outside there, but uh, you know, Chris Marshall, like they have some explosive options where they can stretch the defenses and they just don't do it. Um, So I question how much CFF value you're going to get from him. Um, we've talked about it, you know, in the, during the off season here, Jimbo doesn't really have a great track record developing wide receivers for the NFL, at least into high end success. So I don't know what the ceiling you're looking at for Muhammad is. I don't hate the call at all because I think, you know, six for one nineteen and one very nice performance. We could see something like that from him again, potentially at some point, but I don't know what his ceiling is on either side here so just a watch this guy for me 
Uh, it was nice that Texas A&M brought Haynes King at the end of this to show us how bad he stinks again. Six for 13 <laughs> for 49 and two interceptions. Max Johnson was fine. Um, I mean, his typical boring, um, not particularly great self. Evan Stewart, uh, freshman wide receiver, five catches for 56 yards. Also had two awful drops. One in the end zone that should have, it was wide open for a touchdown, which, hey, it's good that he was wide open for a touchdown. Bad that he couldn't hold on to it. Then he had another one later in the game that he dropped that ended up being an interception. So uh, definitely a, a freshman performance from him, but it's nice that he's getting targeted at least there. Um, just some ra a random assortment. I just had a couple of different items here. Um, CJ Johnson had himself a really nice day there. East Carolina, um, a, a name that we haven't really heard in a, a long time, had that huge freshman year. 2019 had 54 catches, 908 yards, four touchdowns. And then since then has pretty much been invisible. The last two years combined basically equaled that, that first year he's been in the doghouse. He was suspended this off season. There was thoughts that, you know, just maybe he was done, but I mean, seven catches, 197 yards, four touchdowns, 50 fantasy points on the day. Uh, you're hoping that maybe he can establish himself as the wide receiver one here again. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of, I had written him off for dead, and he's had two really nice games now so far this year. Obviously, four, not 197, and or seven, 197, and four is a monster day, and it was against USF. USF is terrible, uh, but there was a time when I liked CJ Johnson. You know, there was a time when I liked him a lot for Debbie purposes here. You know, he's got good size, and We'll see how this plays out here. I am I'm not all the way back in, but I'm I'm dipping the toe back in. Come on, Colin. Go all the way. Um, I'm not either, but he's been he's available in a lot of leagues because people finally gave up on him. So if he's out there floating around, another guy um that I'm I'm targeting. So he's it's really interesting because he's not a downfield threat. His ADOT's never been huge, but he consistently has a really high average like yards per reception he he's averaged over 17 for his career but he's been mostly like he's this big bully kind of slot guy like i'm not comping him like from a skill level but he like he's he's anquan bolden in the slot like he's just an, like enormous beastly guy that just bullies people um so interested to see uh that he's he's always had that high uh, average yards per reception then mayan williams colin i i think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention him here in this one, uh, five touchdowns, five count them one, two, three, four, three, five, five against Rutgers. In the clubs, Sorry, yeah, Rutgers won by like, or uh, Ohio State won by like 45. And I go to check all of my Ohio State passing offense teams, which is basically every single one of my teams. Most of them are built around some combination of CJ Stroud, Marvin Harrison, um, and uh, and um, uh, da, 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 uh JSN, oh, and I mean, JSN didn't play. Buka didn't really play. Harrison did nothing. But Mayan Williams uh, had 189 yards and five touchdowns. So uh, good for him, I guess. Uh, certainly not a player of the week performance because Rutgers stinks, but but good performance nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, very good performance from him in a game where most of their other skill position players, you know, weren't there or weren't effective. And you know, I think that. He, for all the hate that we give Felix, um, I do think Mayan Williams is a good enough player that he'll get drafted into the NFL and I could see him having a role at the NFL level. Um, 
because he's a he's a thumper, man. He is a good between the tackles running back, and he has a little bit of athleticism to him. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate for him that Travion Henderson is way better and is in front of him when he's healthy. But yeah, nice performance from Mayan Williams. Not player of the week worthy, but still a nice little hat tip to him. Um, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on here, Colin. Let's, uh, let's hit some stock up, stock down before I do that real quick, guys, we are part of the fantasy points media group and we are welcoming a new member this week, the full tilt podcast, all of those guys hopping on with the fantasy points media group. So welcome to the club guys, a ton of other great podcasts in that group as well. You can find all of us in one place on Twitter at fantasy points live. Uh, and they drop a weekly uh, Friday thread that recaps the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. So go check that out if you're looking to find all those shows. Promo code Campus22 gets you 10% off if you are signing up over there. Uh, so just uh, if, you're, if you're doing that, keep us in mind. Get that 10% off. Everybody wins. Stock up, stock down, Colin. CFF, C2C, Devi Perspective, you name it. We're going to cover it here. Um, stock up who uh helped themselves this week last couple weeks whatever uh whatever parameters you want to put on this bad boy yeah um stock up is uh roma dunze um jalen mcmillan's running mate um you know and obviously i'm known as the the jalen mcmillan guy here but you know i always thought roma dunze was pretty talented there as well and he's been showing it lately um you know back-to-back 100 yard games with one touchdown two touchdowns um He's got at least seven targets in every single game that he's played. Uh, and he has 10 targets three times. So, you know, he's in this offense here. It's looking like he and McMillan uh, are both going to be CFF options on a weekly basis, given the passing volume that this offense has. McMillan does still have more targets, receptions, and yards, but he also has played one more game. Adunze has been very good when he's been out there. And, you know, he has the skill set there where I think he can carve out. He's going to have a role uh, in the NFL. You know, I don't know exactly what that role is going to be. Um, I don't know how fantasy relevant he might be at the next level, but he will get drafted uh, and he will play on Sundays. And that's something that if you're getting CFF value for him and you're getting a guy who's going to play on Sundays, you know, where you were taking him in drafts, you know, you're very happy with that. And Michael Penix, at least in this UCLA game last week, he just blindly threw it in his direction at times, forced the ball to him at times when he shouldn't have. And that was a result of one of his intercept or that caused one of his interceptions there. But Penix likes Adunze. Um, So, you know, Jalen Camillan, still my guy, but got to give love to some Roma Adunze. All right. Stock up for me, Colin. Jatavian Sanders, tight end at Texas. Um, the stats on the, the year overall are not overwhelming, but this week, five catches, 78 yards, two touchdowns, very hit or miss. Um, but this whole offense is struggle without Quinn Ewers from a passing perspective. Xavier Worthy's not doing what we thought he would do. Um, Jordan Whittington hasn't been, really been doing anything and neither is Sanders, but, um, you know, in, encouraging performance this week. It sounds like Ewers will probably be back next week for, that red river shootout i'm not calling it the red river rivalry <laughs> it will always be the shootout um i uh, nfl size 6'4 250 um five star athlete in his class i mean he's 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 the complete package here he's a second year guy um i think he should definitely be jumping up boards here 
Uh, I have he, he's jumped for me. He's not quite top five. He's just outside. He's tight end six for me in my C2C rankings, and he's tight end seven for me in my Debbie rankings. Um, but uh, still a very good player, and uh, the stock has certainly risen this season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you made a great call saying to start him last week. He had a big week last week. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he's the one of the rare tight ends here that can provide some value at the, the CFF level, um, especially once the quarterback position stabilizes, like you said, with Quinn Ewers and has some pretty high end NFL potential there as well. Good, great size, great athlete, catches the ball well. I wrote him up in the Devi guide, and I thought a lot of us were too low on him, and I'm glad to see uh, some of us coming around. Yes, sir. Uh, my next stock up here is Chase Brown. Um, talking about being too low on guys, it's, and I was too low on Chase Brown here. You know, I uh, I think Josh McCray being out has a little bit of has definitely helped his CFF value so far, but he has taken advantage of this opportunity. It's over 100 yards in every single game so far. Um, he's caught a couple passes. He's at least one in every game so far. He's looked good. This Illinois team has looked pretty good. He's been the, the heavy focal point of this offense. Uh, and he's got good size too, you know, 205 pounds. I think he can probably get to 210, 215 by the time the combine rolls around. And, you know, I think he's looking at some, some early day three draft capital here. Um, I think he gets drafted now. I'm not ready to say day two. I know that's going to be the joke. Come on, but... Colin. Say it. Say the line. <laughs> uh, I'm not ready to say day two, uh, but I think he gets drafted. Um, and I think he'll have a, a role here in the NFL. And, and he is a junior, so he could come back if he wants. So, Colin, this is going to be – this is the other piece of bread. Uh-oh. So I was going to talk Kendry Miller. You were also going to talk Kendry Miller, mm -hmm. but you forgot to put it on the she put it on your notes, but not like yes. the, the sheet yeah. sharing. Because I was gonna talk Antonio Williams, and then I saw we were talking him earlier, and I was like, oh, I'll talk Kendry Miller and never updated the sheet. So basically you didn't talk Kendry Miller because I wrote him down, but mm -hmm. I am now not going to talk Kendry Miller. Oh honorable my goodness. Mention, honorable mention. Oh so my goodness. The other piece of bread calling them the idiot sandwich. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm sorry to all to Kendry Miller, his family, all of his fans out there. I wanted to talk about him. Um, Austin didn't let me. Yeah, you messed up. Um, so the guy I do want to talk about is uh, Caden Prather, wide receiver for West Virginia. It almost seems like him and Bryce Ford Wheaton by the end of the season are just going to be kind of two, you know, two ships passing in the night where Bryce Ford Wheaton started off the year really hot, two touchdowns in each of his first two games, 16 and 13 targets in those. But since then, eight targets, and then he had four for 47. The next week he had eight targets again, and he went three for 23. This week rebounded a little bit, 12 targets against Texas, and he went eight for 93. But Prather, on the other hand, uh, has really gotten going. Both of his touchdowns have come in the past three weeks. His targets have increased. He hit double digits for the first time this week and went eight for 40 and a touchdown. Um, he's been much better. JT Dinos is looking his way a little more. I still think he's the better prospect at the end of the day. And I think by, you know, in the next week or two here, I think you're going to start considering him to be startable, especially because West Virginia is not very good especially defensively. I think they're going to have to pass the ball a lot. I think both of them are going to be involved, but Prather is the guy that seems to uh, is being, has been a beneficiary where the first couple of weeks were just looking 
I mean, two for 21 and nothing against Pittsburgh and then six for 79 and nothing against Kansas. You were like, uh oh, um, but but he's picked it up. So Prather is a guy that that is uh, bumping up a little bit for me after he gave me a scare early this year. Yeah, I was uh, I was worried about Prather. I think I had him as a stock down um, at some point or I talked about him being how disappointing he was. Yeah, he's he's turned it around um, lately. And, you know, I do think he is a Debbie asset. I think he is a better prospect, than, especially than Bryce Ford Wheaton. My biggest concern with Prather is what that team is going to look like next year. Uh, West Virginia has been bad, like you said. They might fire uh, their coach, Neil Brown, I think is his name. Yes. Um, yeah, terrible. Neil. Yeah, they, they might fire Neil Brown. And if Neil Brown goes, then Graham Harrell goes as well. So you're going to be losing uh, some of that CFF value. Um, so I'm a little bit concerned about his future value in terms of CFF, but definitely a stock up for this year and for Debbie. So I like that. Uh, stock down, Colin. Stock down, a guy I alluded to a little bit earlier, uh, Braylon Allen, running back, Wisconsin there. I mean, he's the guy that everybody was – a lot of people had him as their RB2 in this class. Um, a, there were a lot of fans of his out there, uh, and with good reason. You know, He's big. He's fast. Uh, he was only 17 last year. He's only 18 this year, so he's got some room for development. He was coming in. He was going to play on the defensive side of the ball originally as a recruit. Uh, they moved him to running back, and he he looked good last year. Finished off the year really strong for Wisconsin and was a big reason that they won some of the games that they did last year. On the other side of that, this year, he has not been good. He has had um, two huge runs, one of 96 yards and one of 77 yards. Um, he is, so, you know, my math isn't great, but that's like 160, 170 yards there. He's got 499 yards total. So that's making up a huge portion of his yards. So he's been very boom or bust. Uh, he has 295 yards after contact, seven runs of 10 plus yards. Um, but he's really struggles with, with patience and vision. So, you know, while he's explosive and he can hit these home runs, if he doesn't have a runway to get going uh, and he doesn't have a pretty clear hole, he struggles. He's in trouble. Uh, and we saw it last week, you know, against Illinois, two yards rushing on eight carries. Uh, he had zero yards on six carries at one point. Uh, and I was wondering what was going on with him, but just did not look good. Has not looked good so far this year. Now he's still only 18 years old. He can obviously still develop, you know, the technical side of the running back position. But right now he is more athlete than he is running back. And he's not even that great of a lateral athlete either. Um, he's like a worse version of AJ Dillon, whereas people were wanting to say he was the next Derrick Henry. Yeah, people got to be hoping that that coaching change uh, boosts uh, his stock along with some other guys there on that team. Uh, stock down for me, I'll, I'll take a running back as well here, Colin. Lou Nichols. Uh, has been quiet. Like I, I have not really heard a bunch of people saying anything about this. He's been bad this year, just straight up not good at all. 102 carries on the year, 363 yards, five touchdowns. Yeah, under four yards a carry. And honestly, the the schedule has not been murder's row. They played Oklahoma State week one, which is actually basically his best game of the year. 26 carries, 72 yards, two touchdowns. Not the, the average wasn't great, but but you know he he got the volume there. He got the touchdowns. 
But then the week after that, he averaged 1.7 yards per carry on 15 touches uh, it, it, against Bucknell, which is our neck of the Ray, woods. Like they're Bucknell. not a good team. They're not. They're not even FBS. Uh, that he had 166 yards in that one, then 67 yards against Penn State, and 18 carries for 32 yards against Toledo this past weekend. I don't know what's going on with him, but uh, the people that were, you know, he could go day two if he had another really big year. I think that ship is long sailed. Honestly, I would be shocked if he went before the fifth or sixth round at this point. Yeah. In a very deep running back class, like he just is tumbling him and Tavion Thomas, who I could have, I probably should have just chosen him as my other guy, just tumbling down my rankings at this point. Like I have no idea what's going on with either of these guys, but I don't know if they're NFL level athletes. And just disappoint you don't you don't want to have your worst year in college your last year like that does not sit right with NFL teams so I think he's really hurting his Debbie value and he's not been good for CFF I mean he's not an RB one I don't think he's an RB two either like I I don't know what he's doing yeah um I, like you said not really a murderer's row of defenses that he's played uh but and he's still been bad now he is going to get Mac play here coming up the Mac defenses are really bad. Yeah. So he could get it going here, but I never saw the day two draft capital there for him. I don't think he's, he's very unlikely to get drafted here at this point, or if he is, it's very late. I think he comes back. And that's a good thing with him is, you know, you took him very early. If you took him and you took him for his CFF value, mostly you got to hope he gets cooking down the stretch and you got to hope he comes back for another year which I think it's likely at this point. Um, my next stock down is a two for one. Uh, it's Jaron Bradley and my guy, Loic Fungi. Um, Bradley played eight snaps this past week. That's it. That was seventh among wide receivers. Uh, there were eight wide receivers, four tight ends, and two running backs who had more targets than Jaron Bradley in this one. Jaron Bradley had zero targets. You know, before that, um, you know, he still had five targets last week. He's still second on the team in targets behind Miles Price, buoyed by a pretty heavy week one. Um, you know, Loic Fungi, he was fifth on the teams in targets in this one, uh, in this this most recent game here. He's still third on the team in targets, uh, but both of them have been declining every single week in playing time and targets. Um, Fungi had one target and then three targets and um, this past week. So technically he had more there, but it's still not what you want to see. Trey Cleveland is starting at the X. He started at the X in this past one. I would expect him to start at the X in the next one too, because he had a decent week. Um, JJ Sparkman has been getting more involved as well. So they've just been rotating these big body guys on the outside. Um, just cons- a carousel here at wide receiver. You cannot rely on either of these guys for CFF value. And I think their Debbie value is taking a pretty big hit here too, if they had any. Um, you know, early on in the season, if they had, you know, kept that momentum going and gotten cooking, I could have seen some Debbie value. But at this point, it's looking bleak uh, for both of these guys. Yeah, not uh, not been a good season there for them. So I'm. This is a weird one because uh, I don't think his stock was ever crazy high. I don't know that it's dipped that much, but it, there's there's been no improvement thus far through five games. Hunter Decker's quarterback at Iowa State. Who, I almost picked him. Who, who you know, toolsy, big guy, can run, uh, a really nice arm. He's kind of like Will Levis light, I, I think is kind of where <laughs> I would steer his, his comp. 
Um, he had four touchdowns in the first game against Southeast Missouri State. Everyone was like, ooh, this is almost 300 yards. This, this could be the guy. He's had decent yardage over the past few weeks, but he's not looked particularly impressive. He's not making a ton of NFL throws, in my opinion. Um, a, a lot of his, you know, EPA and, and QBR and things like that have been not have been below average. Like they have, he has not been good. Uh, he does not add much as a rusher like we thought he would against Baylor. Negative fourteen rush yards and negative twenty one against defensive powerhouse Kansas. Um, one touchdown, one interception this past week. Two and two the week before. In fact, uh, in his last four games, three of them, he's either had an even touchdown to interception ratio or he's been negative. Um, just quite frankly, he, he is basically poor man's Will Levis at this point. Um, I mean, it, early in his career, but just not like this is the kind of guy where you kind of want to see him come out hot because teams don't have any tape on him. Uh, and he just really hasn't done that at all. Yeah, um, it's almost like a victory lap after week one against Southeast Missouri State may not have been the, the best time to do it. Nah. Um, but yeah, he's definitely struggled um, at times in this one. I think he's benefiting pretty heavily right now from Xavier Hutchinson, who I know you just said recently you um, you know went in and looked at from a Devi perspective, and you're not really necessarily seeing that there either, at least not a high-end asset. Um, but he's a very good college-wide receiver, and I think he's really been helping Deckers out. I'll be interested to see how that plays out one next year as well once Hutchinson is gone, uh, and he doesn't have that option on the outside as well either. So, yeah, um, Hunter Deckers, great week one, subpar the rest of the way. Yep. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's talk some waiver wire here, Colin. As always, we are going to be on college football mornings on the Campus Kent YouTube page uh, with some of these as well. So go ahead, check that out um, and, and check it out every morning. We have a, a different show every morning, a short 8, 10, 12 minutes, um, just breaking down something in college football that day. Um, we always kind of break these down by type of league we would recommend you add them in. Um, so, um, we have guys that basically, if you have limited waivers, we'd say, maybe you go spend one of those on one of these guys. And we say deep league slash unlimited waivers. And then we kind of talk some watch list as well. We went really back and forth on this as to whether we had any guys that were ads. Cause at this point, the, the waiver wire is pretty darn thin. And I do just want to say, before we get into this. I have some leagues where there are some of these uh, G5 receivers that are like 40, 50, 60% rostered on fan tracks, but tend to be floating around in C2Cs a little more. Uh, some of the UTSA wide receivers, for instance, uh, but beyond Zachary Franklin, Cephas, and uh, Clark, uh, Jay Sean Jackson, wide receiver at um, uh, Ball State, team tends to be floating around, uh, Quian Williams at, at Buffalo. So some of those guys are out there, but we didn't feel like they were low enough roster ship to, to necessarily go into talking about them. Um, so the one guy we ended up deciding we would recommend here, uh, Tanner Kozile, uh, Kozile, I don't I don't know how to say it, um, K-O-Z-I-O-L, tight end at Ball State. He's a freshman there. He's 7% rostered on Fantrax, um, 30 fantasy points last week. He had 16 and 20 the two weeks prior. Freshman tight end. In Ball State's offense, yeah, I forgive you if you've never heard of this guy. He's had a TD in every game except for one so far. His last three games, he's getting the volume, 10, 6, and 11 targets. 
He's in the MAC. And again, did I mention he is a freshman? You're probably going to get a couple more years out of him there, paired up with John Paddock. Um, so uh, I think he's a really intriguing guy, but we're only recommending you get him if you're having issues at tight end. Otherwise, or it's just a super deep league. Otherwise, we're not saying waste if you have four four pickups, for instance, through the year. I probably wouldn't spend one on him unless you're just getting a zero at tight end every week, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd say I wouldn't spend up on him unless you're getting a zero every week because I do think he carries some value beyond that. But yeah, if you're set at the tight end position, I'm probably not burning one of my limited waiver pickups on him. But if you if you are struggling at that position or you're looking like a really strong contender and that's the last position you need to shore up. I don't hate that move at all. Adding him um, deeper league ads or, you know, in a league where you have unlimited waiver pickups, a guy that I'd be looking to pick up here is Dorian singer wide receiver for Arizona. Uh, he's only 3% owned right now. I uh, hit 31 fantasy points this last week. Really nice week here. Uh, 18 fantasy points the week before that. He's got at least seven targets in every single game. Um, and yeah, Jacob Cowing is there, uh, and is going to be the wide receiver one in this offense, but singer looks like he's the wide receiver two right now over Tet. Uh, you know, Tet has, is just a freshman. He's looked very good as a freshman, but he is still just a freshman. Um, singer kind of operating as a second piece in that offense. And this offense has been cooking uh, a little bit the last two weeks here. So if they can keep that up, uh, this is a guy who could put up some nice production for you each week. He is just a sophomore as well. Uh, Jacob Cowling probably gone after this year. He does have another year, so he could come back. Um, so, you know, we'll see how how that shakes out for him at the end of the year. But if he does leave, Singer could be the wide receiver one in this offense next year. And we could be looking at some Jacob Cowling-esque numbers. Uh, so he is a, a long-term play there as well. So, you know, I like Dorian Singer. Yeah, and their teammate, uh, was it Michael Wiley, the running back, is intriguing as well. He scored a couple touchdowns on some decent volume over the past few weeks. Uh, John Paddock, I mentioned his name earlier, quarterback at Ball State. I think we've mentioned a Mac quarterback every week here so far. And look, I'm not, I don't love John Paddock, but the volume is hard to ignore at this point. He's had 40 pass attempts uh, in every game this season, three games over 300 yards, another over 400. Um, the Mac, again, the 50 to 45 every Wednesday night for the next seven weeks is pretty locked in for a lot of these teams. Uh, and he does have at least one more year left of eligibility. So an intriguing guy, but another guy where unless I'm kind of hurting a quarterback, I'm probably not making that addition. Yeah, I mean, volume is there. That's great. Going into Mac play, probably going to light up some scoreboards here. Is a junior, like you said, but there's a lot of these Mac QBs that are out there. So, you know, it, worth picking up if you're desperate. You know, also just throw on the watch list, but... Uh, another guy here that we have for deep leagues or unlimited waivers is a guy that we talked about a little bit earlier, and that's Monterey Baldwin, uh, wide receiver for Baylor. He's a little bit higher ownership percentage, uh, 22%. I would actually venture that that's probably buoyed a little bit more by C2C leagues than it is by CFF leagues. Because um, he had a, a nice week one, four catches for 84 yards and a touchdown. Um, but then he was battling some injuries the past two weeks like slow performances that didn't really do a ton. Uh, but this week he popped off, you know, seven catches for 174 yards and two touchdowns on nine targets. Um, really nice numbers. He's very fast. He is definitely in that Taekwon Thornton type of a role uh, where he'll stretch the field for this offense and he can have some really big boom weeks. 
He'll also probably have a couple dud weeks for you there, but he is just a sophomore. Um, so, you know, he's a guy that you'll have for a couple more years yet as well. Um, Casey Filkins, last guy here running back at Stanford. Running back at Stanford is a always a an intriguing player, and it was EJ Smith this year. He's now out for the year. It looks like some sort of a wrist injury or something along those lines. Filkins is that guy now, over 100 yards from scrimmage each of the past three weeks. He had 23 fantasy points this week against Oregon on uh, 25 touches total, even though it was a blowout loss. So game script wasn't perfect. He still produced. Um, so this is probably a for this year only type of ad, but he is definitely an interesting guy and 9% rostered on fan tracks. Yeah, I mean, if he steps into that bell cow role there for uh uh for for Stanford it is in, in filling in for EJ Smith I mean you can expect a lot of volume for him moving forward Stanford's not a great team but they involved him in a blowout loss so you can rely on him all right Colin let's jump into this next segment here and then we will do start sits we kind of this has been a rotating segment we talked some Debbie we talked some uh year one zeros last week this week we're going to talk about opportunity leaders, just who is getting touches out there across the running back and wide receiver positions. I've pulled the top 20 at each position and just wanted to talk about some. These are these are basically your buys for the rest of the year if you're looking for uh, production, basically. And, you know, obviously the cost is going to vary depending on if they have some NFL future or not, or if, you know, they're more well known or not. Some of these guys might be sliding under the radar a little bit, Colin. Uh, these charts are not in this order, but I want to talk, talk first about running backs and the touches that they're getting on the ground carries. We're going to ignore targets here for a second. Um, some interesting names on this list. The, the top one is Kalen LeBourne, who's actually gotten 13 more carries than anybody else across college football. He's been filling in for Rasheen Ali. Uh, interesting. I, I don't think I would have guessed that, but there's some some other names in the the, the top group here that I think are cheap. That I think I'd be looking to maybe buy down the stretch here this season. Those names include somebody um, like Brad Roberts, who's at Air Force, who uh, for some reason slips under the radar every single year. Ladamian Webb has uh, has 89 carries total on the year. He's he's tied for for 19, so he's 20th in the country, uh, and he has uh, uh, six touchdowns. Uh, any names jump out to you here, Colin, that you think are interesting buys? I think one of the surprising names here is uh, Aiden Robbins for UNLV. He's got 104 carries on the year. Um, you know, we weren't really expecting UNLV to be a good team. Uh, and I still don't necessarily know that they're a good team, but they're not a bad team. Uh, their offense has been, you know, a pretty, pretty solid uh, with Doug Brumfield at the helm. Kyle Williams, Ricky White on the outside. And then Aiden Robbins uh, uh, running it up the middle there. I mean, he's a big bruising back he's got an extra year there uh, i think he's a really interesting buy that people probably picked up off of the waiver wire so if the person who picked him up off the waiver wire is not really like a contender and you are you could probably get him for pretty cheap um so he's a guy that i like as a buy on this list i'm so marquez cooper is actually really interesting to at kent state i don't think he's mentioned in in amongst the the mega producer names, but he is tied for third in the country right now in carries. He's at 112 on the year, got a little over 500 yards. Like he hasn't quite been as productive on a per touch basis as some of these other guys, but he's getting into action play. Uh, 
He had a really big week last week. The, the ship might have sailed on getting him cheap, but he's a guy that I think I'm, I'm pointing to uh, for down the stretch here. Um, and then there is a who's who of, of other, you know, Blake Quorum's on this list, uh, Titus Swen, Raheem Sanders, Sean Tucker, Deuce Vaughn, Chase Brown, uh, Izzy Abanaconda, and Bijan's actually 21st. Um, so a lot of backs on here uh, that you would expect uh, to see on there as well. Target-wise, Colin, um, Evan Hall is on both lists, and I believe he is uh, one of two guys that appears on both lists here. Uh, Evan Hall has... Uh, 30, 38 targets total and 32 receptions uh, crushing it. Sean Tucker is actually on both lists as well. I mean, any names, uh, Lou Nichols is actually fifth on this list, which is surprising because you don't think of him as a receiver. And again, is he, he sucks on a, on a per catch basis, but he he's getting the targets at least. So if you're in a PPR league, that's nice. Yeah, uh, I think one of the guys that stands out here on this list is a guy that I had highlighted in the offseason as a guy I was really interested in, um, and that's Cam Wiley uh, from Akron. And Akron has just been really, really, really bad. Um, and like, I, I, there was kind of a miss here on my end and continuing to go after Cam Wiley because he has not been productive from a fantasy standpoint uh, just because Akron has been so bad. But Wiley's still he's 20 targets so he's getting involved uh in some of these shootouts they're throwing him the ball if Akron can look even a little bit better in uh Mac play I might not look like a total idiot uh so far so you know the the targets from from Cam Wiley was kind of surprising for me and then kind of along that route as well um I would say Marshawn Lloyd I wasn't really expecting that many targets for him either yeah, Lloyd uh, surprised me. He has uh, 18 targets total um, and, and 13 receptions on the year. Um, there's not a lot of surprising names on here. I think one that you, we I want to watch out for is Dylan Johnson at Mississippi State. I think he's he's an intriguing guy, uh, third in the country. So um, just volume wise, if he if something were to happen to Jaquavius Marks, I think. Um, he's a guy that you look at as, as potentially having some league winning upside down the stretch. Uh, and Jade, not, it's just really, ha- I'm really happy to see him on this list. He's just all around been out producing what we expected out of him. The wide receivers here, Colin target wise. Um, so there, there are a lot of guys that we expect to be on here. Xavier Hutchinson is first, uh, guys like Cam camper who we've talked about on here, Charlie Jones, the wide receiver, Purdue, we've talked about uh, yeah, as Chris says, who's Charlie Jones? Yes, Chuck Sizzle. Jacob Cowling is fifth. Um, Zachary Franklin at UTSA there is eighth. Rasheed Rice is tied with him. Bryce Ford Wheaton's on this list. Uh, Ollie Jennings. Dontavian Wicks, even though he hasn't done it, he has 53 <laughs> targets, only 21 catches. He is by far the biggest That's what I was gonna point out on this list. And no touchdowns. He's the only guy on this list with no touchdowns. Um, so, so a lot of the usual suspects. Um, but there are a couple guys that I think can be bought for pretty cheap that are intriguing down the stretch here. And the big ones that I want to highlight sit at number seven and number eight, respectively. And those are Lejante Wester, FAU, who has 59 targets on the year. He's turned that into 39, 4, 42, and 8. He is a big red zone target for them. And then the other one, Jayshon Jackson at Ball State, 58 targets for him. And he's got 38 for 4, 37, and 2. Both these guys have soft schedules yet. Sunbelt and Mac coming up here. I mean, these are these are two program or two, yeah, two programs that that are that can produce uh some wide receiver uh high-end guys here. I like both of them, and both of them are super cheap. Wester is sitting on waivers in one of my leagues. 
I have one pickup left and I keep debating if I want to <laughs> use it on him or not. Um, cause my team is bad. I've sold off all my college producers. I'm sitting here with like 50 picks. Um, but he's a good player. I, I, so I think those two guys can be had for really cheap. You might skip the, the higher tier guys and still, still end up with a, a guy that can, uh, help you down a stretch. Yeah. I think FAU's passing attack this year has been, um, a pretty big story. Well, underrated story here in, you know, Nikosi Perry has, uh, is on a lot of waiver wires. He's been, he's had some really nice weeks there. And then you said, um, Lejante Wester is a guy that it could be a league winner down the stretch as they get into some soft schedule here. Um, I think another guy to, I was going to point out on TV and Wicks, um, you know, 39.6% catch rate is just abysmal. Um, but the other guy that I want to point out here is Zay Flowers is on this list. Um, 52 targets, 33 catches, 482 yards, five touchdowns. Boston College has been a mess. Um, but Zay Flowers has really benefited from having Phil Jerkovich back at quarterback, which is just terrible to say, given how rough Jerkovich has looked. Like he is banned from our sit list now at this point. Uh, he's been that bad. But wait, is he? You said last week I wasn't allowed to use him. Oh, you said good. I wasn't allowed to use him. I had to double check. We're good. We're good. <laughs> I was say, you said I wasn't allowed to use him. Yeah, you're not allowed. We I could say we're not allowed. Come well, on, man. I have some gripes. We're going to get into that later. We're oh, going to get my. into that later. Wow, wow, wow. But Zay Flowers has looked really good this year um, after kind of a down year last year. And, and I think he's making a little bit of noise now, getting some of that NFL draft capital back as well. So he's a guy I wanted to highlight. Um, I don't think there was another name on here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I th- so I think some of these guys, especially the Mac guys. Oh, uh, so the other guy I actually did want to point out real quick is, is DeCorian Clark at UTSA, who is thought of as like the third wide receiver there, but he's been very, very good. They're all getting uh, really nice volume there. Um, and he's got 37 catches for 570 yards and six touchdowns. And that schedule is not going to get too much more difficult either so yeah a lot of a lot of names on this list that i think can be had for cheaper than than some other guys uh, all right let's go into early week start sits here colin so we talked last week i had just got back from vacation i hadn't had time to 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 score week three yet we both quite frankly colin did not do very well Week we three. did not. You went eight and eleven. I went seven and twelve. Yeah, you messaged me and you're like, "Man, your week three was terrible." And then you scored yours. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> not great. Um, week five though is pretty decent. Uh, well, you went eight and eleven, but I went eleven and nine. I was pretty happy with my last week's score. Colin, do you want to get your complaining out now, or do you call... go go ahead? I, I do. I do want to yeah, get my complaining out now. So. So there's been a little bit of a hide the ball here going on with exactly how what these thresholds are and and where he's pulling some of these scores from. I am not the one scoring these. So this entire season is under protest. He's um, calling. You're winning right now. I know, but I'm not anticipating staying there. Um, it's a hedge. It's a hedge. But this entire season. Oh, is, you're hedging. Okay. I'm hedging. This entire season is under protest, though, because I just found out tonight that our threshold for a hit for a quarterback is 28 points, which seems really, really high. I mean, when you broke it down, you made a couple of, of decent points. And oh, that's all I? that I will give okay. you for that. 
Um, there are frequently about 20 to 24 quarterbacks that put up 20 points in a week, every, every week. week, every week, still a very, very high number. That is a difficult number to hit, uh, especially when you're eliminating Will Rogers. You can't call him a start when you're eliminating oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Malik Cunningham. You can't call him a start. You know, some of these guys that you're a quarterback that you're trying to get as, as starts. So you could have called Will Rogers a start last week because a lot of people are talking about is this too tough of a defense Just saying that. Like there are weeks I, where you can still say, you know, this might this might look tough, but don't sit them. Like you still start them. Like you can still do that, Colin. There's a a a, a twenty eight point week. Anything under twenty eight points will never be a QB one or QB two week for college fantasy. So it'll be a QB two week sometimes. It hasn't yet this year in standard quarterback scoring. Well, you're, you're, you're just going to sit here and pray for the week where the week where like 27.5 is the QB 24. And then you're going to send me a stupid message. I'm going to say, ha, your face. No. Uh, Moving on. It a just standard seemed... that both of us are set, are, are, are set to here. We are. Uh, apparently, is too I am much for call. I am now aware of what that is, that it's a 28, 28 point threshold at the top. So now that I'm aware of it. It's going to change my my decisions a little bit here. Like it already it already impacted one of my start sets. Uh, okay, I had to change. Well, one good, out. good. I'm glad so you didn't just choose. Stick. So, Colin, here's here's my counterpoint. If you thought the threshold was 20 points for a quarterback, is that why you were choosing so many quarterbacks this year to try to game the system? Yes, you've been choosing a lot of quarter. Yes, <laughs> the defense rests your own. <laughs> yes, I have been choosing a lot of quarterbacks this year. I was trying to game the system. And I, I thought like I was two I, a week. Maybe. I thought I was succeeding. Go ahead and start your are. starts. You you always go first on starts, Colin. Overall, right. so just to give everyone overall right now, because yes, Colin, right now you are sitting at 37 and 40. And I am sitting at 37 and 42. And these are non-obvious starts, non-obvious mm. sits. Yes. And for anybody figuring out the math there, um, I've had two people who have not played on the You've year. You've had three. I've had three one. people. Yeah. So haven't played. If they don't play at all, it's just a, it's a wash. It's a scratch. But into the start sits for this week. Uh, first one that I have here is Day Day Hunter running back for Liberty. Uh, three games in a row, over 100 scrimmage yards and at least one touchdown in each of those games. Last week, 121 yards rushing, two touchdowns, three catches for 60 yards and another touchdown through the air, 39.1 fantasy points. Uh, UMass uh, is bad. They get UMass this week. They give up 176 rush yards per game, uh, which is the 27th most in the country. Uh, I feel good about Day Day Hunter this week. I also have Day Day for basically the same reasons. And yeah, UMass is just really bad. Yeah, uh, my next start here is a guy that you highlighted last week, uh, and this was a good call. Um, it's Kean Williams. Um, since week one against Maryland, you know, when you throw that one out, uh, he has had 25, 21, 25, and 15 fantasy points uh, with more than eight targets in every single game. He has at least six catches, at least 62 yards in each of the last four games, three touchdowns in the last four games, and they get Bowling Green. Bowling Green is the second worst passing offense in the passing defense in the country. They have up 336 yards passing per game. Uh, Williams is a great play this week. I too have Kane Williams. Protest. Protest. I didn't hit it last week. Actually, it didn't hit 20. So 
Um, but it was still, it was like 17 and a half or something. It was still a decent week. So, um, next start I have here is Tyler Scott, wide Stop. receiver for Cincy. Um, he has six touchdowns in four games. Uh, he has at least 75 yards in the last three games with two games over 100 yards. Uh, he's got 25, 45, and 16 fantasy points the last three weeks. And they play U- USF, who just got absolutely torched by ECU. Uh, we highlighted CJ Johnson's huge day before uh, four touchdowns. Scott probably doesn't get four touchdowns there, but two. I f- feel pretty good about that. Uh, Tyler Scott, good play this week. I'm starting Anthony Grant this week against Rutgers. He's not Mayan Williams and and Nebraska is in Ohio State, but we just saw what um, uh, Mayan was able to do against this Rutgers rush defense, which statistically on the year is not terrible, but I mean, they're, they're obviously not great. And Anthony Grant gets pretty darn good volume anyway. Um, last week against Indiana, he led them in rushing at 32 carries for 136 yards, no touchdown on the day. So, you know, and only ends up with 40 points or 14 points or whatever. Um, but he's going to get at least one this week. I, I'm firing up Anthony Grant. Uh, my next one here is Henry Parrish Jr. Uh, he has been a he was a sit for you. He was. He was a start for me before. He's been a sit for me before. Common name. Uh, He's a common name on here. Look, he had um, two games, uh, two tough games uh, in those two losses. Uh, 57 yards, 85 yards the last two weeks. But uh, he does have almost double the touches the next running back uh, on the roster there. So he is getting the bulk of these touches. Miami just had a bye. They have a get-right matchup here going up against UNC's defense. UNC's defense gives up 193 rush yards per game. Uh, I think we're going to see Henry Parrish come out and have a really nice week. I am starting Ra-Ra this week. We talked about him earlier. I think the Arkansas pass game is is pretty weak. They gave up a ton of yards to um, to Bama this week, especially before Bryce Young went down. He had 173 yards to like a quarter and a half. Um, the game total is 62. So this is going to be fairly high scoring. Again, we know that no matter what Mississippi state is going to pass the ball, I think Ra Ra probably gets five to six catches. He gets about 80 yards and he gets at least a touchdown as well. So that should put him over 20. I like Ra Ra Thomas this week. Uh, my next start here is a quarterback who I do think is going to get over 28 fantasy points. Uh, Daquan Finn. Uh, he first three weeks, he had 31, 32, 29 fantasy points, but he's been struggling a little bit lately, uh, which is 20 and 25. Uh, but he gets NIU this week um, and they allow the third most pass yards per game, 311.8. They're the eighth worst in pass success rate, uh, defensive pass success rate, and they are the eighth worst team in defensive passing explosiveness. So they allow big plays. Uh, it's very easy to pass on them. Uh, you know you're going to get value with Daquan Finn's legs. Uh, I also expect some really nice passing numbers this week as well from him. And he has at least two touchdowns in every game this year. He can get it down on the ground or in the air. Daquan Finn. Uh, next up for me is Kendry Miller. He's been very explosive lately for TCU, this Kansas defense. I know they didn't give up a ton of points to Iowa State this week, but Iowa State... Um, just is not great offensively here. I think Miller 
um, sees a, a pretty hefty amount of touches here, and uh, I like him to score at least a touchdown as well in this one. So give me Kendry Miller against Kansas. Uh, my next start here is Torrey Horton. Uh, look, Colorado State is an absolute mess, but you can still count on Horton. Um, he's really the only wide receiver left out there. Uh, how many other ones have left in the portal? Um, but he has 200-yard games this year. He's got a touchdown in every single game except for one. Uh, he has games of 19, 45, 9, and 21 fantasy points. He's going to get it done on volume. It's not going to be pretty, uh, but don't shy away from starting Tory Horton. I am starting, so this is the name. I'm starting Lou Nichols this week, even though I just talked about how bad he's basically been all season. I think this is going to be a get-right game for him, and I think this is kind of when his year is going to take off here, at least statistically. Uh, held under 100 yards all but one game this year, under three yards per carry, three of five games, but Ball State just gave up over 300 yards on the ground to NIU. They basically just gave NIU their get-right game. I think they're about to give, Lou Nichols and the CMU offense there get right. So I, I'm, I know Lou Nichols has probably been burning you and you might think, you know, maybe you're starting him regardless just because you don't have better options. But I really think that this is kind of his, his big breakout week this year. Uh, my next one here is Toa Tawa going back to the same matchup, uh, Colorado state and Nevada. Neither one of these defenses are good. Neither one of these offenses are really that good, but just like Tory Orton's pretty much the whole offense for Colorado State, Toa Tawa pretty much the whole offense for Nevada. Uh, Colorado State gives up uh, 168 rush yards per game. Toa Tawa, uh, over his last three, has had 30 fantasy points, 22 fantasy points, and he also has five in there, but that was against Iowa. Uh, this is not Iowa. Uh, I'm still starting Toa Tawa. I'm starting Casey Filkins. We just talked about him with Stanford. I think Oregon State... Um statistically has been a, a bottom third or so team in FBS against the run. Um, I We saw last week, basically, the game script was the complete opposite direction. We talked about he still got 25 touches. I think he gets 25 to 30, uh, a handful of receptions, uh, and I, I think he has a pretty nice week. Uh, my next one here, I have Jalen White uh, running back for Georgia Southern. Uh, he has a touchdown in every game so far except for one, and he has three touchdowns or three games with two touchdowns, uh, double-digit carries in every single game so far. Uh, he's got 15, 24, 28, 8, and 22 fantasy points. Uh, he's quietly been very good, uh, for especially for a team like Georgia Southern that you expect to throw the ball a ton. Um, Jalen White has been solid on the ground, and Georgia State gives up 196 rush yards per game. Uh, next up for me here is Chris Rodriguez, who has was suspended and then basically not been particularly productive here across the past couple of games for Kentucky. But I think this is uh, his his big game here that's going to propel him for the rest of the season as well. South Carolina is the opponent. South Carolina is banged up across the front seven, and they're defensively. If you look at their their numbers overall this year, they don't look awful because their schedule is basically flipped between really good offense and then just really, really bad offense. Um, the two really good offenses they played against from a rushing perspective, um, both teams had uh, nice games against them, Arkansas and Georgia. And I think Kentucky is going to try to establish the run here. It wouldn't surprise me if Rodriguez gets like 25 to 30 carries in this one. That volume propels him uh, to that 20-point-plus total. Uh, my next one is a name that you mentioned a little bit earlier. 
uh, as a guy who's floating around in some leagues on waiver wires. If he is, I'm definitely picking him up, and I would start him this week. That's Jayshon Jackson, wide receiver for Ball State. Uh, he has back-to-back games of 10 catches and 100 yards, uh, 22, 32, and 22 fantasy points over his last three. And with Central Michigan this week, uh, they give up the 25th most pass yards in the country at 263 yards per game. Uh, you can start Jay Sean Jackson with confidence. Um, Zay Flowers is my next one here. I think he's he's very hot or cold, and they're playing Clemson this week, so I think a lot of people will be tempted to sit him, and I'm not starting Jerkovic. But Flowers, who who has been hot, he had five for 151 and two last week. Um, not not great against FSU, but the week before that, eight for 89 and one. Um, I, I think it's one of his hot weeks instead of one of his cold weeks, and I think the game script uh, will help him out a lot as well. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets 15 targets in this game, and I have a hard time believing if he if he gets 15 targets, he can't turn that into um, some decent PPR points. Yeah, I mean, Clemson's given up some big uh, passing games so far this year at times too. Yeah, um, I mean, Thayer Thomas went for basically like 8 and 100 this past week, so that, that was like, yeah. oh, that's, that's not super scary. Yeah. Um, my last start here is DJ Irons, uh, quarterback for Akron. Um, last week, 224 yards, three touchdowns, 100 yards rushing, uh, 28 fantasy points for those of you checking at home. Uh, they play Ohio this week. Ohio gives up the most passing yards in the country at 380. Uh, Ohio is a good offense, though and bad defense and Akron is going to have to try and pass to keep up with them in this one. Um, but DJ Irons can get it done with his arm in this one, get it done with his legs. Most weeks. Um, it's a good recipe for fantasy success. Firing up DJ irons. My last one here at the mix is a day day. So my last one then, so I am starting Zachary Franklin and Decorian Clark this week. We're going to up the difficulty a little bit for UTSA. Um, do you want me? okay, no, Colin? That's cool. cool. No, I'm not gonna no, let you. Fine. You know what? It's you know fine. what? It's, it's, Just it's okay. as a screw you, I'm gonna say start all three UTSA wide receivers. Oh, okay, all three Cephas, Franklin, and Clark. As okay. long as them hit above all of them hit above 18, you give me that. Yeah, I'll give you that. Okay, there we go. I think you know, they've all produced pretty decent numbers this year. I believe they all have over 50 targets, 37, 36, and 35 receptions, respectively. Uh, all of them basically over 500 yards. Franklin's at 491, um, but he has six touchdowns. It's it's a high-powered passing offense. I like all three of them this week. Colin made me do it. Made me I do baited it. him into it. Damn it, I fell for it. All right, Colin, <laughs> give us your 10 starts in a row here, and then we'll switch to the sets. Uh, I have Day-Day Hunter. Uh, Kean Williams, Tyler Scott, Henry Parrish, Daquan Finn, Corey Horton, Toa Tawa, Jalen White, Jay Sean Jackson, and DJ Irons. And if you're counting, that's only two quarterbacks. Changed my strategy. Uh, for me, I'm starting Anthony Grant, Ra Ra Thomas, Kendry Miller, Kean Williams, Lou Nichols, Casey Filkins, Chris Rodriguez, Zay Flowers, Day Day Hunter, and the UTSA wide receiver trio all right colin what i was just gonna say um tell uh, people out there if you're listening tell us on twitter what you think about the 28 point threshold for quarterbacks uh, i'm just curious as to what other people think okay um because when when you broke it down like i said you didn't make terrible points uh it just seems really high so 
Let us know what you think about 28 points being the cutoff there. Not that we're going to change it at this point because it's what it is what it is, but you know, it's even for everybody, baby. Yep. Um, sits. I'm going to start this one off, Colin. Uh, I'm sitting Jalen Cropper. Fresno State stinks. Did you? You're gonna, do you have Cropper? That's too? my first one on the list. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're terrible without Jay Kaner. Like they lost to UConn this week. They get nothing going offensively. None. I, I almost said like bench everybody on Fresno, but I didn't want to. Especially since Colin just baited me into three UTSA receivers, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say the whole offense, but. Cropper is the big one. He he's a PPR kind of uh, machine, so I think he he suffers a lot from no Jay Kaner. I'm and honestly, I'm benching him until Hainer comes back, and it doesn't sound like that's anytime soon. Um, I'll I mean, so I'm I am also sitting um, Jalen Moreno Cropper. Um, one of the reasons the Jay Kaner injury, but also the matchup's not that great. Boise State only gives up 180 pass yards per game. Uh, and even with Jake Hayner healthy, Moreno Cropper has yet to go over 85 yards. Um, he has no touchdowns. He has yet to go over uh, 16 fantasy points on the year. He has been a pretty big disappointment. Uh, I am definitely sitting him in this one. And even when Hayner comes back, if I have a better option, I might lean that way. That's really, really good points there, Colin. Um, so back to me, I guess then. Uh, next up for me, I'm sitting Brian Cobbs, which feels like an odd choice. And this is a little bit of a gut one, I'll admit. He had this big week over 30 points last week. But I think Air Force, Air Force, who's their opponent this week, is really going to kind of suck the life out of this game, as a lot of these service academies are wont to do. No Logan Bonner, who gave this Utah State uh, some some breath when he came in uh, in this game. He's, he's broke his foot. I believe he's done for the season. Um, so I, I, this passing attack, I think is going to be really uneven the rest of the year with Legas back there. Uh, and I, I don't like Cobbs this week. I said to sit Cobbs last week and I actually yeah. followed through and sat him, uh, and it almost cost me a matchup. I also sat him in one or two places. There was one or two places where like, I couldn't really afford to, but there were one or two places where I could too. And it definitely hurt. Um, but I am sitting Ricky White, uh, a wide receiver for UNLV. Um, yeah, he had a huge week one there, but he really has not been that great since. Um, six for 43 last week. He has three games under uh, 15 fantasy points. Um, San Jose State is the matchup this week. They give the eighth least amount of passing yards per game with 154.8. Uh, I am definitely sitting white and I am probably sitting uh, Doug Brumfield as well. You probably have better options there. I put Doug, Doug Brumfield as one of mine. He's been picking up some steam here and I'm, you know, like you say San Jose state and you think that's not going to be a particularly tough matchup, but yeah, for the reasons you listed um, not, not an easy one. So I have Brumfield. You said you just have white. Yeah, I just have white. Okay. Yeah. And I have, I just have Brumfield. So okay, over to you again. Uh, I am sitting the entire Indiana passing offense. Um, they get Michigan this week, 157.8 pass yards per game, 10th best in the country. Um, Cam Camper was injured last week, did not play. Uh, we'll see if he plays in this one here. Um, but even if he does, I'm not starting him. Um, even if he sits, I'm not starting DJ Matthews either. I'm sitting all of them. 
I'm sitting Jake Bobo this week. He had a big week against Utah last uh, week at wide receiver for UCLA. Um, but I think Utah is a bit more stout defensively. I think they will take him away and make uh, UCLA beat them on the ground. Um, and Bobo has been pretty up or down this year. Anyway, last week was kind of his first big week there. Um, so I, I'm sitting Bobo. I am also sitting Jake Bobo. Yeah. Watching um, his pass I, defense isn't great, but uh, I'm st- or, uh, that that was like the team that he played last week. Utah is a good defense. I'm sitting Malik Cunningham this week. You doing that? Oh, mm-hmm. I'm not. He's a little banged up. He got or he left last week's game. I think he's mm-hmm. going to play, but I think it's going to take away a bit of his um, willingness to run, um, which is obviously a large part of his his floor and his appeal as a fantasy quarterback. So I think he's going to play against Virginia, but I don't think he's as effective on the ground. I'm sitting Malik Cunningham. That is a bold call. I mean, you know, I I talk a lot of smack about you to your face behind your back. Um, Wait, what you say stuff but that is uh that is that's a that's a bold one i will hat tip to you on that one sir uh i am sitting devin achain this week um he has been the entirety of that texas a&m offense he's been very good the past two weeks he gets alabama this week alabama only gives up 87 rush yards per game now i did say to sit um rocket sanders against them last week and he had a nice week but uh, especially with uh, Jalen Milrow likely being the starter in this one. I'm expecting a slower game from both of these teams. It's going to be a little bit lower scoring. Um, and I think it's just kind of be a grinded out game. So I think that's not a matchup that I really want to play Devin Achain in. I, I'm also sitting Achain. Yeah, I think game scripts. I think Bama is going to just want to be out for blood. I think that matters a lot in college. Um, I am sitting Miles Davis and Christopher Brooks. Uh, Miles Davis was hurt. Uh, so you're gonna have to keep an eye on that one. He got hurt in the third quarter in this one. Christopher Brooks didn't see the field much until Davis went down. Uh, but you know, he looked decent, uh, after that on limited carries in the fourth quarter there. Um, so, you know, if Miles Davis is hurt, maybe you're tempted to start Christopher Brooks uh, if Miles Davis is healthy, maybe you're tempted to start him there, but I wouldn't. Notre Dame is kind of heating up here. Um, they only gave up 112 rush yards to Cal and 66 rush yards to UNC these past two weeks after giving up 172 yards and 219 yards the first two weeks to uh, Ohio State and Marshall. They are also coming off of a bye. I expect this to be a refocused team. Uh, I'm not starting either of Brooks or Davis. Uh, I'm sitting Johnny Wilson this week, wide receiver for FSU. Um, he's been like, he barely, he, I think he hit exactly 20 points last week. He's, he's definitely been their top option there, but they play NC state this week. NC state hasn't given up a ton of big receiving performances. And I think, uh, I actually think NC state probably beats them by a decent amount this week. Proved they were fraudulent last week. Chris Moxley take that frauds. Uh, I am sitting Tank Bigsby. Um, he's been really bad ever since that week one against um, Mercer. Uh, every week since week one, uh, where he had 27 fantasy points that week. But every week since then, he has yet to go over 16 fantasy points. He's been under 55 rush yards in every game since then. And they get Georgia. So twofold there. 
Uh, I'm probably sitting Tank Bigsby if, until further notice throughout these SEC matchups, unless they, you know, play a soft matchup in there. But um, I'm sit- definitely sitting him this week, probably sitting moving forward too. I have Auburn running backs. So, okay. That's fair. Uh, my next one here, uh, what, what was Jake Bobo? Uh, Adrian Martinez. Uh, he had mm. two monster games these past two weeks, 52 and 43 fantasy points, uh, over 100 rushing yards and four total touchdowns in both of those three and four rushing touchdowns uh, the past two weeks. The three weeks before that, under 16 fantasy points in every single game. Um, so he has been very, very boomer bust. They get Iowa state this week. Iowa state is eighth in rushing yards allowed at 83. Uh, they are 12th in points against as well, uh, with 14.4. So they limit the rush. They don't allow teams to score a lot and they're actually fifth in defensive explosiveness. So they limit explosive plays. And that's kind of where Adrian Martinez has been living. Um, Look, I, I mean, I get it. Like, he can blow up and have these huge games, but I don't trust him this week. I'm sitting Adrian Martinez. I am sitting every offensive player on South Carolina. Yeah, you heard me. Against Ooh. Kentucky. Kentucky is a fraudulent team. Look, Chris and I had the battle of the frauds this weekend. We kept we, we had these two games that we were diametrically opposed on wake forest florida state i said florida state were frauds so did so did alfred was there with me i said that wake force was going to win that game he disagreed on the flip side he we i i'd pick kentucky over Ole miss um i still don't feel that bad about that pick because Ole miss turned gave that game away at the very end but um but we both went one for one in it um i i still think kentucky's fraudulent but south carolina stinks man offensively they beat up on bad teams and as soon as they play decent defenses they just shut it all down i don't think any of their pieces this week are going to be startable that means i'm not starting jaheem bell that means i'm not starting antoine wells i'm not starting spencer rattler i'm not starting insert other wide receiver here not starting marshawn lloyd none of them leave them all on your bench this week against kentucky a kentucky defense that by the way isn't amazing i just don't think south carolina is physical enough to move the ball consistently on them. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with that. Um, I have Marshawn Lloyd in a number of places and I am probably sitting him this week. And if you're sitting him, who are you starting from that offense? Uh, I'm sitting CJ Johnson this week, uh, 50 fantasy points last week. Uh, but he only has two games a season over six fantasy points. Uh, they get to lane who is actually allowing the fewest passing yards in the country. Uh, with 123.6. They held Houston and Kansas State, two power five teams. Kansas State, not necessarily a dynamic passing offense, but um, they held both of those teams to 150 and 208 yards passing. Um, And their rush defense is just middle of the pack. So I know Rajay Harris is out, I believe, for the rest of the year. Yeah, Um, They might get Keaton Mitchell back this week. Maybe it's a Keaton Mitchell week here, but I'm not trusting C.J. Johnson. My last one here, I'm sitting Donovan Smith, quarterback, Texas Tech. Oklahoma State on paper looks like it should be a pretty easy matchup. They're one of the worst uh, pass defense teams in all of college football. But Texas Tech is a little banged up at wide receiver. Miles Price plays, and then he gets injured. Like he, He's perennial, perennially in and out of this lineup. I think we know by now, as you talked about earlier, Colin, that A, he doesn't particularly care to throw to Jaron Bradley or Loic Fungi, but I'm not 
sure either of those guys are very good either. Basically leaves you Nehemiah Martinez and and half of Miles Price to throw to. I don't love that for him. I mean, the rushing upside might get him there, but I think Oklahoma State's defense will gel a little bit as the season goes on. They looked pretty decent last week against Baylor. I think they have another nice showing against Texas Tech this week, so I'm sitting Donovan Smith. Uh, my last sit here, uh, Michigan State's entire offense. Um, they play Ohio State this week. Uh, Ohio State is seventh in pass yards allowed with 153.4. Uh, they're 15th in defensive EPA per play overall. Um, and Peyton Thorne has not really been that good. Three games under 15 fantasy points, none over 25 um, he's been very disappointing this year. I thought he would actually have a nice year. Jaden Reed had a nice week last week with 19 fantasy points and he got there on volume. I could see him potentially getting there on volume in this one because I expect Ohio state to kind of blow out this Michigan state team. Who's not very good. Um, but I'm not confident in it with Reed and then Jalen Berger, um, 17, 29 fantasy points the first two weeks. And then he's at eight, four and six since. I said single-digit carries in the last two games. Um, I don't trust anybody in, on this offense. All right, let's name our 10 here, Colin, and then we will get out of here. Uh, my 10 sits, uh, Jalen Cropper, Brian Cobbs, Jake Bobo, Malik Cunningham, Devin Achain, Johnny Wilson, everyone on South Carolina, Donovan Smith, Doug Brumfield, and the Auburn running backs. I am sitting Jalen Moreno Cropper, Ricky White, Indiana's passing offense, Devin Achain, Miles Davis, and Christopher Brooks, Tank Bigsby, Jake Bobo, Adrian Martinez, CJ Johnson, and Michigan State's entire offense. All right. That is going to do it for tonight's show. We will be back later in this week with Canton Bound. As we said at the top of the show, check out everything else we've got going over at campusdecanton.com, including the YouTube page, the podcast uh, channel, the Better Sports Show, uh, and everything else. We're growing. We're not stopping anytime soon. Hop on the train now. Until next time, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.